What do you feel like you know you can do to kind of generate a little more offense tonight? Well, that plays better. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle empire. <clears throat> okay, so. We have graduated from the East and... Uh, to the unimportant division. To yeah. the also division. To the Wisconsin and a bunch of Detritus division. Speaking of Detritus, Iowa. Um, Iowa. So we covered this when we talked about Ohio State. Obviously, you know what the high point of their season is. It's giving Urban Meyer the worst loss of his career as a head coach. Uh, raise your hand if you expected that game. Put your hand down, you dirty, dirty liar. Hey, you know what their second most impressive performance was? Iowa An overtime State? win against Iowa yeah. State. <laughs> hey, tell me I'm wrong. Look, never let it be said that that game is not Iowa's Super Bowl, okay? Going out there and forcing overtime against an eight-win team from another power conference, that's an impressive performance. You see why Iowa's players are always so motivated for that game, and their fan base cares so much about it. See, because Iowa managed that 31-point win against Ohio State, <laughs> which, of course, kept Ohio State out of the playoff, which, of course, means that they didn't get a win over a playoff, uh, a playoff team, which Iowa State did. By virtue of being Oklahoma, right. So, And, you know, in a way, Iowa State's got the transitive win over Ohio State as well. So, looking at Iowa's season as a whole, though, kind of a typical Iowa season and that you have a couple inexplicable results in there. Obviously, the Ohio State game is the big one. And then, really, their bowl game summarized their entire program. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the entire esprit de corps of their program. They play in this hideous game with Boston College in Yankee Stadium in late December when the field is an ice rink, basically, because baseball stadiums don't have heated co heating coils under them because why would they? You don't play baseball in the winter. And so nobody can get any traction. There's blown tackles all over the place. People are falling down, making their cuts coming out of routes they're trying to chase receivers terrible game the Iowa Hawkeyes had 200 yards of total offense in that game on the nose they completed eight passes of which two went to wide receivers Boston College had to turn it over three times to zero for Iowa Iowa only won by a touchdown and yet Kirk Ferentz was probably the most satisfied man in the country that night that's probably the exact definition of how Kirk Ferentz wants to win a game well, yep, that was uh, definitely Ferentz Nirvana. Uh, it was very ugly, and frankly, uh, it's hard to imagine that any Iowa fan really, like, you're happy with the win, and then you're also like, is this why really does it what, always have to be like yeah, this? Is this really what the season that we, you know, we wait eight months in the off season? I wish to God I'd screenshotted this, but for uh, <coughs> I believe a Champagne Room game thread a while back, uh, somebody posed the question, are we winning? And the reply was, yes, but keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of Iowa football. And so is there any reason to think that that will change? Well, no. Um, a smaller class because this particular group of Iowa recruits that's on the roster now was better for the at the attrition rate than they typically are. They typically have a fair number of guys that they lose, but only 17 signees because of that. Um, that puts them at the seventh best class in the Big Ten as of this recording, 34th nationally, which is probably somewhat better than they usually do. Um, they do have some areas of obvious need, though. Linebacker would be a good one. Um, all three starters depart. Which includes the greatest linebacker. Who's that? The outlaw. 
Jesse James? No, he was a tight end. He played for Penn State. <laughs> Josie Jewell. Jewel. Utah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, so they lose Jewell. They lose Bo Bauer. They lose Ben Neiman. Um, three guys who all, I believe, all started for three years. Maybe four in Jewell's case. But in any, it, either way, well, lots it seems of experience. like Josie Jewell's been there since I was a wee lad. Lots of experience. Lots of production going out the door. Um, no obvious impact guys behind them because I don't think any of them ever came off the field the whole time that any of them were starting. So now they're all gone. They need to replace all of them. And when those three guys first became starters, they were bad. You remember why everyone thought Butch Jones was going to have Tennessee kicking ass a couple years ago? It was because they ended their season by beating the ever-loving hell out of Iowa in, I think, the Music City Bowl. One of those other, those mid-tier bowl games. And the main reason they won that game was because those three linebackers that were leaving were absolutely lost in coverage. They didn't know what to do. By the time they were seniors, that wasn't the case anymore, but now they're gone. And now, presumably, Iowa has to go through that whole thing over again, where the most important part of their defense, the guys who actually make the tackles, can't do it. So they're going to need somebody to step forward in all three positions. Um, that being said, it should be an easier transition for them this time around, because their defensive line should be very good. Um, Nathan Budget is the only guy who's leaving. They get both Nelsons back. They have AJ Epinesa, who's going to be a senior, who should take a big step forward. So they should be quite good. You look like you have a lot of burning thoughts on Iowa right now. How could I possibly have thoughts on Iowa? They're Iowa, man. I think I feel like they're probably going to be Iowa, probably but it's possible that they're going to be Iowa. So I don't know. When I say that, I mean they could be eight and four. They could be four and eight. They could be somewhere in the middle. Remarkable an- analysis there. They're <laughs> Iowa, man. They're Iowa. What do you want me to say about Iowa? How are they at punting? <laughs> Gonna be hard for them to be worse at punting than they were last this year, because it, it, for, it, for whatever reason, it was an unmitigated disaster in the kicking game for them, which is usually the last thing you would expect. So yeah, in a way, the season was the most Ferencian that I can think of, with the biggest exception I can think of, which is that their punting sucked. Um, that's a pretty good way to wrap up the Iowa summary, I think, to, to discuss the punting. So let's move on. Well, the other thing, though, though, is I think we're finally, finally having a series with Iowa, which I've kind of always championed because, man, we're, we're really, I mean, we're number one and two in corn production. We're very similar. We send, the Chicago suburbs send a lot of kids to Iowa. And I don't know why we didn't play from 2006 to 2014, or 2008 to 2014. All right. Who is, uh, who is number one in corn production? Iowa. Oh, is it? Okay. No, Nebraska's third, uh, fairly distant third, if most. Because uh, have you ever been outside of the Chicago suburbs in Yeah, Illinois? it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, no, it's delicious. Because it's all edible, because it's all corn. What am I, am I supposed to, when I stop for gas in Effingham on the way to see my brother, drive through some field and stick my arm out the window and grab a few ears of corn? Can I do that? Will they let me? Yeah, acting like you're not sure what's up, you Effingham. Anyway, um, (laughs) so, yeah, you know, and I think they really need to have a trophy, which is that, hey, everybody from, when Iowa wins this game, all the Illinois kids from Iowa get an acceptance letter to Illinois. You know, that thing they always want. Wanted. So, moving on to Nebraska. As we said, a distant third in corn production, despite their namesake. So, this was the violent, explosive, uh, Hindenburgian end to the Mike Riley era in Nebraska, which never really made any sense 
to begin with. Um, that remains the most baffling coaching hire until her until Herb Edwards. Until Herb Edwards, yes. It held the it held the belt for about a two year period. And now Arizona State's got it, and they're man, they're gonna. Every time I think of that, I burst out laughing. Arizona State is the John Cena of baffling decisions. Like they don't always have the belt, but you know they're getting it back. Are they sure about that? <laughs> so what? Um, so Mike Riley is gone, okay? He, he's gone because, well, I mean, what, what was he ever doing there in the first place? That's, that's really why he's gone, is because he was never going to accomplish enough in this job. It's because he's exactly what he was thought to be, which is, like, kind of a coach who's, like, likable enough, but as a coach has kind of fallen behind where you need to be. More suited for a place where nobody cares if you suck. Like Oregon State, where, yeah, he sucked out loud the last couple of years. Yeah, and so, but like you say, you know, then hiring assistants who call the entire defense too dumb to understand their scheme. I mean, this was never going to end anyway. Oh, Bob Diaco, if we're honest, though, I mean, he, he... He's got the whole civil conflict trophy thing to his resume. Uh, this is not really a guy that understands what you're supposed to do. He doesn't understand social cues very well, such as, you know, you don't just kind of force her. Central you don't just, Florida is weirded out by you. They don't want anything don't just, to do with Yeah, that. they don't want to have a rivalry with you. <laughs> No means no. Come on, just leave it be. So the 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 good news though, obviously, is that this terrible, unwatchable season of football for Nebraska, with just pick six after pick six after defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown, results in the Jim Harbaugh hire of the Nebraska program. Program alumnus uh, Scott Frost, a bright young star in the coaching ranks, fresh off of an undefeated season at UCF, agrees to come home, take control of the program, and. And I'm sure we'll all be hearing the, as soon as he wins his first game, bring them right back where they were in the 90s, for sure. We all totally buy that. In a world where Alabama is king and only money and TV exposure matters, one man can bring the big red, the motherland, his home back to national relevance. Scott Frost at last debuts as Nebraska head coach. 2018. In Soviet Lincoln, Corn Husky. Return to Motherland. For Mother Nebraska! Moving on beyond the coach. So from a recruiting standpoint, they've got a pretty impressive per-prospect profile. Man, that was way more alliterative than it needed to be. Um, But with only 13 recruits, they are good for the 36th best class nationally um, and 8th best in the conference. Now the the other mystifying thing about Nebraska is that Tanner Lee declared for the NFL draft, y'all. Sweet Jesus, must he have not... (laughs) I mean, he, he, he must have basically been told... Look, you're not gonna have a lot of success running whatever offense we're trying to implement here. Regard, yeah, it, it doesn't matter what the offense is. You are not gonna have success it's, running an offense. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, you know what this reminds me a lot of is is uh, you know the big deal that Northwestern made <clears throat> out of their hero Clayton Thorson. <laughs> He's gonna return for his senior year. Man, I mean, yeah. That's sweet. I remember there being just as much fanfare when I returned for my senior year in engineering. I thought you were going to talk about Dan Purse's Heisman campaign for a second. Um, right? He's the one I'm thinking of. Yes. Isn't he? Yeah. Um, when he sent out that terrible literature. But yeah, so Tanner Lee, I mean, he got better, right? As we discussed towards the earlier season, it would, it, it, it would have been hard for him not to get better than he started off being. Um, but still, he's going to be a guy that I think Nebraska fans probably shake their heads about when they're 
reminiscing over for a long time. Um, still, that means that Scott Frost has basically a clean slate to figure out what he wants to do with his quarterback room. The other guys they have on the roster are young enough that none of them have really played much yet. Um, the good news is, however he decides he wants to go, he's going to have a dynamite pair of wide receivers uh, with Stanley Morgan and, um, and J.D. Spielman. So... We've got a couple guys who can play out wide. Frost is obviously a guy that I think Husker fans would trust to decide what to do under center. Unless he loses a single game. In which case, he'll be... Florida. Do they play him them first? Is that who they start the season with? No, but that's the game that he lost. Oh, all right. That's right. And that's why, yeah. I'm sorry I'm not as much of a 90s football historian as you. I don't think Nebraska ever mattered. Um, <laughs> cut that whole part out. Go to start your Illinois thing. Man, so I'm, I'm trying to stack up these beer cans here, and it, it reminds me of a game. Are you playing Wizard day. Staff with Miller Lights right Sweet now? Sweet Jesus! I can't believe you know about Wizard Staff. Who doesn't know about Wizard Staff? The only problem was... The apartment we used to play it in had like drop ceilings with, with like a seven foot clearance, so it would be like it was a problem. Like you couldn't stand it up; you had to like hold the thing at an angle, and then it would spill out of the. For yeah. those not in the know, uh, back in my college days, I used to play a thing when no one was, uh, you know, those Friday nights when you're not having a party or whatever, and it's called the Wizard Staff. Well, we're not having a party. We would do that at parties. <laughs> as you, as you drink more beers, you duct tape the the empty beer cans onto the bottom of your curb beer can you know of course then it becomes the empty beer can you duct tape a new one <laughs> on top of that and you level up so basically at the end of the night what you've you've built up you've spent a long time building up this thing that ultimately doesn't mean anything and i really hope that's not what we're doing in illinois because oh my god i don't know how i'm gonna be able to handle it if uh how the many, so thing doesn't how many empty Natty Lights would you say you've currently got emotionally stacked up on the Lovey Smith regime? Well, I mean, I'm at least a level 28 wizard at this point. Jesus, man. This is going to be a disaster for you when they don't win any games the next two seasons. Oh, you know what? Western <laughs> Illinois on the 8th of September is my Super Bowl. You didn't even fight that, man. I thought I'd get some kind of resistance. Like, you're going to beat somebody accidentally, probably. Western, they're Western Illinois. Why have I met, like, somebody real? Like, wow, this is depressing. Well, right. we'll see. I mean, because we, you know, we had two quarterback recruits that were both kind of unheralded three stars. And uh, and then the one guy, uh, there were rumors that it was grades. And boy, when you hear there were rumors that it was grades, you just know that's the end of it. You'll never hear from this kid again. Uh, you know, not in Illinois anyway, because the administration is still, uh, the administration and admissions is still very much stuck in the mindset that having successful athletic teams means that you will struggle with research and endowment and academics. Now, here's the great thing, okay? This is why our athletic director, Josh Whitman, is such a genius, is because we lost all of our conference games in football. Lovey Smith is, uh, what is he now? Five and 19. Um, all right. We've lost all five of our conference games in basketball. We haven't won a conference game in either of the revenue sports since March of last year, right? So if we go and lose all of the conference games, then Josh Whitman can go to the board of trustees and say, all right, now you claim, you claim with academics that if we had, you know, just really, really yeah. shitty yeah. revenue sports, what? Keep going. We are way in the weeds here. Yeah. <clears throat> 
So now Josh Whitman can go to the board of trustees and say, okay, if we've got really, really shitty revenue sports, then this will surely make us a better academic institution. But then can show later that our endowment did not increase, nor did our rankings in any academics. And then, there we go, checkmate, cooperate with us admissions, and we can finally admit these guys with grades that would clear the NCAA clearinghouse, but wouldn't get admitted by Illinois. Therefore, we can empirically prove by doing as poorly as we possibly can in revenue sports that having bad revenue sports doesn't help the school. That, er, I'm trying to rationalize why we're so bad at everything. <laughs> Throw me a bone. Right, so you know, uh, Illinois got, um, got a, let's see, we got 18 uh, recruits here so far. <laughs> it's good for uh, 49th best class in the nation. Surprise. I mean, would you think that a program in Illinois' position would still be a top 50 recruiting school in the country? Probably not. Yeah, you um, know what? I and you know, and you know, because boy, do they have playing time to sell. Lovey Smith has made it crystal clear that if you've got a lot of potential as an athlete, he's going to play you right away. That's what we did in 2016. That's what we did this past year. I'm a little stunned you haven't even mentioned Illinois. Is not the worst class in the Big Ten this year. That's yeah, what, well, I mean, that's a, that's a team that just won 10 games. Northwestern is the worst recruiting class in the Big Ten. Well, yeah, year. but that's what you expect with a with a Group of Five program that is for whatever reason in the Big Ten. All right. Well, we're not going to get out of order here, but... So, so Illinois, uh, what I like is that they've got two four-stars on uh, 24-7, 247, whatever the hell it's called. And well, no, I'm pretty sure it's 24-7. I, I realize I have most likely been th- saying it wrong in my head my entire life. But my point is they're both defensive tackles. Oh, man, if you're going to build a program that's real stout and able to compete in the Big Ten, especially in the Big Ten West, where you have Northwestern, which is Diet Wisconsin, and Wisconsin, which is regular Wisconsin, you're going to need to stop the run up front you're gonna need to be stout between the tackles so is is iowa is iowa like crystal wisconsin then or like what is their relationship to that uh they're they're the uh the diet caffeine free wisconsin they're the one in the gold can crook ferris would just drink caffeine free diet soda would are they like diet right (laughs) dude what is even in diet right I don't know. I know what's not in Diet Right, and that's aspartame. So anyway, uh, Illinois has a pretty, I don't know, I think a pretty So Minnesota's got to be surged then, right? (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted, but... Anyway, you you were saying. So Illinois got what I think is honestly a, a, a decent collection of players, except there's two glaring, glaring needs. One is linebacker, which has struggled because we've had people transfer out. Um, and that's really shocking to me because you got Lovey Smith as the head coach. Hardy Nickerson's the defensive coordinator. Man, how can we not get linebackers? I mean, we, we narrowly missed out on a middle linebacker prospect uh, um, who went to, to Texas, a four-star guy. We're still in on a few other guys. We've got actually a lot of recruits that we're targeting because we had double digit transfers so this 18 class has to be a lot bigger than we expected but we're still very very active on the recruiting trail right now yeah and the other i mean the other thing is even with the linebacker depth problems that you're referring to there's only one guy who's designated as definitely being a linebacker now there's a couple other athletes that could be linebackers well which is great because one of the things we really struggled with is our uh, linebackers lateral quickness and ability to to set the edge ability to cover side to side um these guys are small though if you're gonna play them right away you better hope they show up a little bigger than they're listed as well we are the guy that i think is going to be um in orange and blue is uh, from california merlin robertson's four-star outside linebacker that i think is going to be a big difference maker and um my goodness lobby recruits florida a lot yeah that's i've been talking about this 
Florida, Texas, and California. We're getting a lot of recruits from there. That's what we're trying to do. Hardy Nickerson's got the background in California. Lovey has the background in both Texas and Florida. Uh, and, of course, we've got a big question left to answer at offensive coordinator because, you know, to the people that said that Lovey was just phoning it in, was just going to cash a little retirement money, okay, well, you know. He's out here firing guys, so that's, you know. He hired Garrick McGee because this was a guy that he had some uh, rapport with, was a good friend of his. Okay, and after two seasons, Garrick McGee proved that he just cannot produce um, as little talent as we had on offense. He did the worst with it that you could possibly do, and so Lovey cut, cut bay with it. <coughs> now, um, I have the most ridiculously sourced rumor I've ever heard, which is Matt Canada, and the only source from this is that the Wikipedia article on Matt Canada currently lists him as the Illinois offensive coordinator. That's literally the only source I was able to find. Somebody with one Wikipedia edit to his name, this is how in-depth I've been on this, uh, has this as his only edit. This, of course, the standard for an Illinois alumnus um, citing Wikipedia. Hot damn. I usually cite Wikipedia's sources. There are no sources to cite here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So, basically what I'm saying is, Western Illinois is the Super Bowl. I'm going to be there because I haven't seen us win the game since 2014, baby. We do not need defensive tackles. We do not need punters. We are very good in these areas. And you know what? We got some pretty decent wide receivers. But I've glossed over our, our biggest need, which is goddamn quarterback holy shit we need a quarterback oh my god any number of these sec castoffs man i give my left nut for them any one of these jakes from georgia that's gonna get pushed out by fields ah, give me jalen hurts give me anybody i don't care we need a goddamn quarterback that can throw uh you know, Cam Thomas can't really throw across his body. Jeff George, I'm not going to dignify that with a follow-up. Um, MJ Rivers is probably one of the best quarterbacks in his uh, in his class at Texas, but still, I mean, man, we're looking at a, a, a three-star freshman with kind of some unconvincing film. God damn, if we could get if we could get the ball to these guys in a convincing fashion, we could have something going here. But uh, I guess we'll never know for sure. Okay, so that was way longer than it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, you took forever. We've talked about the we've <clears> given <throat> the worst team in the division the the pros- most airtime of any. But we talked about like that was like longer than the Penn State and Ohio State seconds combined. <laughs> All right, <laughs> um, I have a lot of pent up angst here. So let's talk about the best team in the division. Who we got, let's the, be we got the whole off season to bitch about it. But all right, let's be honest. Is almost certainly going to win the division again. I mean, there's I would yes. I will be shocked. Yes, they they will win the, the division again next year. Um, before we get to next year, we'll look back at last year really quickly. They, at Wisconsin, it felt like spent about three quarters of the season being criticized for their schedule while also being undefeated, which, I don't know, I feel like when it's Alabama and they have Mercer on the schedule, nobody's talking about the holes in their schedule. And it turned out, by the way, that Florida Atlantic was one of the better non-conference wins of any uh, Power 5 team. Yeah, but you that's know what? All I'd, like the to, point. I'd like to see Florida Atlantic go up against Mississippist, uh, each of those being Wisconsin and Alabama's best win, because, man, you'd have to try real hard to convince me that Florida Atlantic wouldn't stand a chance. 
Yeah. But in any case, that that was Wisconsin's reality as it became clearer and clearer that they were going to go 12-0 and and that their road to the playoff would turn on whether they beat whoever came out of the East Division. And man, were the ESCCPN anchors losing their minds over finding ways to keep an undefeated Wisconsin out of the playoff. Fortunately, it never came to fruition, so we never had to see, you know, like Herb Street and Fowler getting caught trying to dynamite the practice facility in Madison or something. But in any case, they lose that conference chance championship game to Ohio State obviously because of that left out of the playoff probably rightfully so but man I don't know if I agree with that just because you look at the name it, their best win their best well okay their best win was uh potentially FAU um potentially Michigan but name Alabama's best best win Mississippi State LSU all right I mean who are they really Mississippi State went nine and four I think I believe they did hey Florida Atlantic won 11 games you went they played the fucking sun <laughs> about man Look, my, my we, we're not is, having this argument my point is name time. name wisconsin's worst loss ohio, ohio state. state and that this is such a waste of time because it's always it, it's round and round the same yep point is we knew alabama was entitled to this so they settled for winning a road game in their bowl um playing in the orange bowl against miami um looking ahead to next year 19 guys in the class so far the typical unremarkable wisconsin recruiting class um ninth place in the conference 39th nationally in the 30s is right around where all their classes have been in the last several years and they continue to keep turning these clods of cheese into clods of gold um Straight out of Eau Claire. Now, next year, they do have a lot of turnover on defense, which True has not necessarily mentioned the matter in the past, but... Turnover this is a this is a good deal of turnover. Um, defensive end and offensive line in particular, or off outside linebacker, I'm sorry, in particular, which are the two kind of impact spots in the scheme that they run. Lots of departures there. Lose Alec James, Chikwe Obasi, um, Garrett Dooley is gone. So they've got a lot of depth leaving from those spots. They're losing guys in the secondary as well. They will still have Vince Edwards. They'll still have plenty of guys who can play. They still have Sagapolu, who is kind of the thing that makes the whole thing work because he's an awesome nose tackle and I was very surprised that he didn't go pro but sooner or later it'll be worth wondering if maybe Wisconsin isn't able because hey remember when everyone said Wisconsin basketball was never gonna fail to continue coming up with diamonds in the rough we see how that turned out so eventually it feels like things are gonna catch up with Wisconsin I don't know if that'll be this year because they'll still have Edwards they have Van Ginkle who will probably play a bigger role next year they'll still have guys who can fly around and make a lot of disruptive plays um and it may not even matter by the way if next year is the year when their defense can't you know cut the mustard because almost their entire offense returns especially the offensive line all five guys. Game. All of them. All of them. And then obviously Jonathan Taylor's back because he was a true freshman. Um, all their wide receivers are back. Remember their bowl game? Remember Danny Davis tearing up Miami's secondary? He was a true freshman. A.J. Taylor and Kedrick Pryor, their two other receivers are, bo- are both freshmen. Um, Quintez Cephas will be back off of an injury. He's going to be a junior. Their quarterback was only a sophomore. The only guys they're losing on the offense who played it all were the tight end, Fumagalli, who I didn't think, I thought was overhyped, honestly. I feel like everyone assumes because he's a Wisconsin tight end, he's a big deal he made the occasional big catch here and there but the guy's not Gronkowski but they lose him and they lose Austin Ramish who is a fullback a good fullback but a fullback they can find another fullback because they're Wisconsin I think getting Cephas back is going to cancel out Fumagalli and you look at the team that they were in the in the Orange Bowl um then yeah they should they should be better on offense than that team if anything um if they get consistency really I think that uh sorry I think that uh, Jim Leonard has done a very good job uh taking over 
over for Dave Aranda, which was seen as, you know, once again, you know, seen as, oh, this is going to be the thing that topples Wisconsin. But, you know, it, it's it's hard to bet against Wisconsin's defense when they've kind of, they, they've kind of always had a way of coming up with guys that you, you kind of didn't really think about until they were making plays. And it feels like Jim Leonard has kind of, <coughs> has kind of come on and done a lot of the same things that have made Wisconsin's defense successful in the past. But speaking of that Orange Bowl, it's interesting. There's actually a rule in NCAA basketball in the tournament that was enacted uh, pretty late in the 80s that like prohibits a team from, from playing at... Uh, basically, it makes it so that you can't have a literal home game in the NCAA tournament. Um, now, of course, this doesn't happen in the bowl games because they're not really NCAA sanctioned. Uh, of course, the reason I bring that up is because finish your drink. It happened to Illinois. They had to play against Kentucky in 1989. Now, um, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting tidbit, but you know, yeah, Miami played a home game in their home stadium in a major by, bowl game. And lost by ten. But still, that really, it's, it's, that really wasn't that close either. Wisconsin it's weird was in that a thing like that. that happened. It wasn't even the only one to happen because Florida Atlantic did the same thing. Yeah, well, not well, that that would have mattered. They could have played. They could have played uh, Akron anywhere. Yeah, as could Penn State. So, okay, so Wisconsin. Um, did we get the recruiting? I mean, the, kind of the last thing to mention about Wisconsin there, there's a comparison here to make between the benefit of the doubt that you would give to a program like Wisconsin versus Indiana because the amount of attrition that both of them are going to have on defense is similar, okay? But yet, because Wisconsin has shown us before, we know how to get past this kind of thing, you assume that they are, for the most part, going to be all right. That being said, like I said, it's a lot of guys to replace, and for however good they are at development, they're still not recruiting the kind of raw talent that makes you confident. You can stick that guy out there, and even if he doesn't know exactly where to go, he's going to get there quickly, at least. Um, so that's, I mean, and that's the difference that you see between Wisconsin and Indiana, because we're more willing. I mean, does anyone think that Wisconsin's defense is not is going to take a huge step back next year? Probably not. Yeah, they've absolutely earned this amount of credibility too by just going through this over and over again. Yeah, and so. Moving on to another team that probably has a considerably more positive outlook going into next year than they would have this year, um, Purdue. The beginning of the Jeff Brom era, smashing success. Now, granted, 7-6 and six is the ultimate record. We're not a psychic carried away and anoint them champions or anything, but... Given where they had come from with the lows of the Daryl Hazel era before that, um, you know, first year, not only are they interesting to watch again, which has got to be a nice change of pace for Purdue fans, but they take the bucket back, breaking, Indi- I think, Indiana's longest string of wins in that series ever. And then they win their bowl game in one of the more entertaining games of the postseason, um, outdoing who I think is going to end up being a Heisman candidate next year in Khalil Tate now that um, Kevin Sumlin is in charge at Arizona. Question, though, after running that fake kneel down play, do you think Jeff Jeff Brom has gotten himself on the medal stand of Big Ten coaches who are likely to fight. Has he? Because the top three before this season, I think, were clearly Harbaugh, Franklin, and Fleck in some order. Is Brom in that top three now after that fake kneel down? I think he was probably challenging there before. It's just that we didn't know as much about him because he coaches for Purdue and didn't have the media machine that Fleck did behind him. Okay, but remember that XFL interview? Man, this is not really that off-brand for him. He 
He's a really intense guy. You're talking about an XFL fame, and this is quite some time ago. And by the time you get, not, it's not even his first head coaching job. You assume he's matured a little bit. Maybe not. <laughs> he hasn't. Um, that being said, like I said, I am team fake Neil forever. I, it's not against the rules. Um, you got a game to win, and he did what he had. And that ended up being an important fake play. Neil is one of the most metal things you can possibly do in a game. That's the only time that I can remember it happening successfully. Mike Leach attempted to run a fake kneel down in the, at the end of the first half against uh, Texas, and they actually like didn't watch closely enough, and Leach ended up just going on the field and just getting absolutely purple at him. Uh, that's... You know, because I, I always thought, man, someone should just fake the kneel down, just a middle finger at some point. And I, so I looked it up, and that was the only <coughs> instance of a fake kneel down that I was able to find on the interwebs prior to this bowl game. So yeah, just for making a successful fake kneel down, boy, Brom just, like, wins my heart forever. <laughs> we'll ride or die with Jeff Brom. Um, so, you know, his, his first real recruiting class, nothing too impressive. Um, 22 recruits. 10th ranked class in the Big Ten, 42nd nationally. That's much better than Purdue's done in the last few years. It is, and so a lot of positive signs there on the field and on the recruiting trail. Um, that being said, though, this is our third team now after Wisconsin, Indiana, that's got massive departures on the defense. Um, depending on the depth chart you want to look at, they could have as few as two starters returning. Um, Eddie Wilson also declared for the draft, so they lose another guy. Uh, they're they're gonna the problem here is now they're going to get into Hazel's later classes, which were not as good even as his first kind of mediocre ones, and it'll be guys who have not had the benefit of playing as much. The defense is most likely going to struggle considerably next year. Um, Man, just drove myself nuts there. I thought that, for whatever reason, I thought that Eddie Wilson also did Electric Avenue, and I looked it up, no, that is in fact Eddie Grant. Okay. Close enough. It's been a long time since we did a podcast. We got a lot of, of tangents to get into here. As you can tell, we're, we're now approaching... In addition to some cosines. We're now approaching two hours of recording. Um, if you want to talk about Purdue's roster strengths for next year, a lot of options in the running back group. Markel Jones and DJ Knox should both be back. No one ever really stood out there, but they've got multiple guys who they know that they can hand the ball off to. And for better or worse, I think they have resolved their quarterback issue. It should be Sindelar next year, even if Blau was healthy. Um, that being said, with him taking that injury kind of late in the season, with him going into his senior year, it would make sense for Blau to decide he's not content to be a backup or to split time and to go elsewhere. Uh, and if that's the case, then it's Sindelar and who knows what behind him. So Purdue definitely in a much better position now than they were last year and things looking up in West Lafayette for the first time in quite a while now. Yeah, definitely uh, interesting contrast to uh, the whole redacted thing. I think that we can probably put that meme to bed because, man, hey, they've just been on national television more than once. Uh, now, Northwestern. So, I don't know how the hell this team won 10 games, and I bet that neither do Northwestern fans. Ross, they, this is what they do. Yeah, and so they did what they do in a lot of ways. Not only do they have a more successful season than you probably think they will, they remain the team where if you're in the middle of the pack, you look at them on a schedule and you're like, oh, well, that's a win. Uh, and then you get to them and it turns out most of the time, no, it's not. They're better than you. Um, the problem, though, is that they didn't have the slightest damn chance at winning the division 
because they had another slow start. Pat Fitzgerald in September and early October, so much worse than Pat Fitzgerald in mid-October onward. Oh boy, how is he in August? Because they play Purdue on August 30th for some reason. God, they're going to lose that game by 60. Put your Bet your house on Purdue, whatever you know what? the line is. I don't think, here's what I think is going to happen. They beat Purdue soundly, they beat Duke soundly at home to avenge the loss, to mm. the, the loss from last year. Then they lose to Akron, and then they went out. It's entirely possible. Um, now, the win out thing, I'm not sure if I would buy, but... Um, oh, no, no, no. Rutgers. Wisconsin. And it's not at Ryan Field, I don't think. It was uh, last year. No, 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 it is. I don't know, man. I don't keep track. It, In it, any it, case, they're going to lose to Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Akron, and they're going to beat Michigan State and Michigan and, uh, yeah. And it'll all make as and much Notre Dame as, as well. They got Notre Dame on there. That being said, for a 10-win team and a reasonably stable program to recruit the way they are is a little bit of a head-scratcher. Dead last in the conference, um, a small class, granted, with only 16 guys so far, but that's 55th nationally, um, and it's not like they don't have some guys leaving. They lose three starters in the secondary. Um, you need more body. You always need bodies there for the most part. Um, and the other issue is that Clayton Thorson goes down with what looks like a pretty bad knee injury in the bowl game. Certainly a torn ACL, possibly yeah. additional mangling. And so, at a minimum, he's going to miss all of their spring and most of their summer if he's back in time for fall camp great but if he's not your backup was a senior and so he's gone now and so who's your quarterback um and you know the the easy thing to look at as their biggest loss for the offseason would be justin jackson one of the conference's most productive all-time ball carriers but the thing is He's hilariously replaceable. Yeah, Jeremy Larkin looked just fine behind him. Um, and when you especially consider that their offensive line is only going to lose one starter, the center, they should really be just fine in the running game, but their quarterback situation is going to be a little bit of a concern until it's more clear whether Thorsten can come back and be his old self or not. Well, I mean... Well, I mean, it's clear that the uh, Northwestern Bagman has kind of given up on them ever, uh, you know, from a few years ago. That dude's <clears throat> given up on them ever competing for the division, so... What, you mean that one time they had the class better than 40th in the country? <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, you know, well, Chicago's Big Ten team has recruited a little better than Chicago. Um, that's probably going to get cut. So, um... We bring it home now, our last review slash preview slash uh, tangent host of our choice. Um, Minnesota. So, boy, P.J. Fleck ruled in town, you know, just just rowing a train of hype, the likes of which we haven't seen since Harbaugh arrived, really. Um, Did Harbaugh have a reality show on Big Ten Network? If they had thought of it and they could have gotten him to agree to it, I'm sure he would have. Yeah, Big Ten Network probably just didn't think of it. Um, hey, but you know what Harbaugh has that P.J. Fleck doesn't? Hair. <laughs> yeah, it is funny how how quickly and comprehensively P.J. Fleck has, has gone into the full late 50s hairline. Um, it's got to be all the Red Bull, don't you think? Is that, is that bad? It can't be good for your follicles. Uh, so he arrives. Really, the results on the field were not nearly as good. I, I don't know where Minnesota fans, some of them at least, got the impression that there was going to be an immediate and massive turnaround. If you looked at the way Fleck did it at Western Michigan, man, he tore that program to the ground before we built it back up the way he wanted to. 111 with an FCS loss in 2013. Yeah, and so really you're kind of fortunate that you were only as bad as you were because... It got a Big Ten win. They got 
Did they get one or two? No, they got two. They beat Nebraska. They beat the pants off Nebraska. Yeah. They Jesus, they beat Illinois by single digits. Holy shit. And so, with the flawed roster that he was inheriting, and just as a product of the way he normally wants to do things, this is always going to be more of a, uh, a, a building and then some kind of year. Um, that said, though, the early recruiting results are decent. He's got a huge class, 25 guys coming in already, and will most likely tack on a couple more. Um, middle of the pack in the conference, um, good for sixth place and 30th nationally. Some obvious needs on the roster. Um, three defensive tackles will be leaving. Um, Stephen Richardson in particular was a very productive guy. And then there's the small matter of Demry Croft, the guy who was the starter at quarterback for most of the season, deciding to bail. So Because he, he may or may not have damaged a door. Yeah, still one of the more bizarre player discipline sagas I have ever been Well, look, we've been to. assured that the Minnesota administrators are definitely in the right, as they often are. There are procedures. There are procedures. and Procedures were followed. Passive voices were used. Mistakes were not made. <laughs> mistakes were not made. Mistakes occurred. Making implies that somebody did it. You have to stay in the passive voice of these things. Yeah, but there were procedures. That's outside. And the, the procedures present... The, <clears throat> procedures do not present anything. Things are presented by the procedures. The procedures the, you're prevented. Not, however passive you're being, it's not passive enough. The procedures prevented uh, a mistake from being made. There were no mistakes made because, of course, you know, tide comes in. Tide. Never miscommunication. Little Dicky knew about Reggie. Well, anyway, you wanted a patino, you got one. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire.